Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Monty Moore with Remax in Brentwood, Tennessee. Last year, he closed 242 transactions with a total sales volume of $60 million. His average sales price was $248,000, of which 55% were buyers and 45% were sellers. He has a 12-member team, one operations manager, one listing manager, two contract-to-close specialists, five buyer specialists, one marketing manager, one inside sales agent, and one team leader. Monty Moore is the team leader of the Moore Group. He's been an agent for 29 years. Monty has increased his production by 60% per year, five years in a row, from 28 closings per year to 44, to 77, to 153, to 242. He sold over 3,000 homes in his career worth almost $1 billion. In this call, Monty talks about how he came back after the Great Recession, a divorce, a loss of two-thirds of his income, major back surgery, short-selling his retirement rental properties, and his personal home being in foreclosure. Building personal power by utilizing the confidence formula in Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. How his personal production is over 100 homes sold per year. Answering the market demand with his We Sell Homes for Free program that targets for sell by owners. His radio ads that achieve a 4 to 1 ROI. His TV ads that achieve an 8 to 1 ROI. Gaining authority in your market by writing a newspaper column. How he generated 45 closings last year from a 500 person database team dynamics, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Monty. Thanks, Mike. It's a real pleasure and privilege to be here today. Hey, Monty, it's great to have you here. Monty, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, Mike, uh, it's not a a real exciting story, except that uh, I've come a long ways. I was a uh, blue-collar worker at a factory in the Midwest, gotten laid off in the uh, early 80s. And I uh, was working three jobs to try to support a young family of a two-year-old and a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And a friend of mine uh, went down to Florida to start a church. And in the process, his father-in-law started calling me and, and trying to talk me into getting into real estate. One day I asked him, uh, well, well, what do you think I could make uh, selling homes? And I'd never sold anything before other than tires and, and batteries at uh, Sears. So I didn't have a vast experience and didn't know what I didn't know. But he said, I bet you can make $30,000 a year selling homes. And I said, $30,000 a year? That's three times more than I'm making now. And, and uh, I'm working three jobs. So as crazy as it sounds now, at this point in my life, I packed up my family 
and we moved from the Peoria, Illinois area down to the Cocoa Beach, Florida area. Wow. And how did that work out? Did you have a fast start or a slow start that first year? That first year, Mike, it was kind of tough. I didn't certainly didn't make $30,000. I'd sold some things, not a lot of real estate. I sold one of the cars and I sold one of the bikes and those kind of things, but just to try to make ends meet, to be honest. But and then to compound the challenges of being a, in a brand new industry, in a brand new area, not knowing anybody, not knowing what I was doing. The uh, first full year that I was down there was the year that the uh, Challenger went up and came down in pieces. And that uh, really had an effect on the market. But, but believe it or not, within uh, the next year, next uh, less than a year, I actually sold over a million dollars worth of real estate. I, I had... Uh, you know, if you had to think out of the box, everybody told me you might as well pack your bag and head back to uh, Illinois. And I saw I've got three kids to feed, and things are bad up there as well. That's when Cat was uh, had been laid off for a long time, and and uh, so I, I created. For, I don't know how it all happened, except uh, one day I wrote on this sign, card piece of cardboard. I wrote "Rent to Own," and of course that was way before you know everything was rent to own, which you could you know do anything now rent to own. But back then, um, no one had. You know, really seen that kind of a sign before. I wrote it on a piece of cardboard, put it in front of a sign that we had, or in a house we had rather, and for sale, and started getting all kinds of calls on it. It was crazy, and I, and in that area, you know, Vanderburg, uh, not Vanderburg, but uh, Patrick Air Force Base is not far from there, and there was a lot of veterans, so we were getting a lot of phone calls of people thinking they didn't qualify to buy a house, and we would sift through those and and um, you know find uh, people that were VA qualified. Uh, another thing that I had to do during that process was my broker, uh, because the market was so tough, said, here's what I want we to, I want you to do. We have a thing called co-ownership that's available right now. And co-ownership back then, the, the, we could get an investor to put a down payment down and the tenant would pay the mortgage payment and they would have the co-owned benefits of that experience together. And But it wasn't long that our, our investor ran out of money to do that and, and we had tenants, of course, that want to become homeowners. So what I had to do was go out and find assumable non-qualifying loans. And that was one thing to do, you know, those loans that were made before the, I think it was 1988 or something like that. And, and, but I had to find those individuals who were willing to hold a second mortgage. So here's the deal. I had to find the assumable non-qualifying mortgage with, some, with somebody who would hold a second mortgage. And in addition to holding a second mortgage, they would have to be willing to sell a portion of that second mortgage at a discounted rate of 18% to generate ca- enough cash to pay the commission and the closing costs because our investor had run out of money. So when I hear agents talk today about being creative, they have no idea what creativity is. You know, you know <laughs> to come out of the box and need to get that creative was pretty crazy. You used your ingenuity with what was going on in the market around you. You saw demand, a need, and you started putting those pieces together, and that's what uh, helped you get through that that difficult upside-down market that you had found yourself in after the, the Challenger blew up and, and, and things were, were looking a little rough around there. So uh, that's awesome. Let's, let's do this. Let's fast forward to today. How long have you been in real estate? How many years? Well, the end of this year, it'll be uh, 30 years. Right now, it's just 29 years. Hard to believe. How many homes did you sell last year? Last year, we had our best year ever. We sold uh, 242 homes worth over $60 million worth of uh, residential real estate. Oh, that is amazing. Congratulations. 
Well, thank you. The, the exciting part about that has been the, uh, the annual growth that we've seen in the last uh, five years is, is what's really made that exciting. Um, I, can't, I can't tell you, you know, <laughs> I'm a major believer in, in goal setting, Mike. I'll never forget the first time somebody said, this is my third year in business, that somebody said, I bet you can make a six-figure income. And again, I'll admit I'm not the sharpest rock in the pile. I didn't know what a six-figure income was. And I wrote it down. I said, damn, that's, that'd be a lot of money. And fortunately for me, somebody at church had given me Zig Ziglar's uh, goal-setting tapes at the time, and so I knew enough about goal-setting to reverse-engineer what that average commission worked into uh, how many units would, would it take to make $100,000. And, and uh, believe it or not, that next year I, I closed $100,000 worth of business but again, you know, sometimes it's beneficial to not know what you don't know. And I thought, well, shoot, if it's that easy, I'll, next year I'm going to make $200,000. I just was not real, like I said, just didn't know what I didn't know. And sure enough, it wasn't easy by any stretch, but I finished that next year with $200,000. And that was back in, I guess, 1988 or 89, something like that, where $200,000 was a lot of darn money. Well, that is fabulous. And Monty, how many homes have you sold in your career? Over 3,000 so far. If Assuming I hit the goal this year, Mike, of, of what we have, I will be a, a billion-dollar producer. I'm, I'm excited about that. I, that's been a mark of uh, a goal of mine for a little while now. But this, this after this year, it should be over $1 billion. So, so far, it's 3,000 homes. We have a goal of 400 homes this year. Your career has spanned almost 30 years now, and it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. I'm aware that a few years ago, you were about to quit real estate. Could you tell us why and what changed? Well, Mike, in 2007, I, I thought it was a smart thing to buy some real estate for retirement. I'm 62 years old, and so I bought a little over a million dollars worth of real estate December of 2007. The next month, the next month after that, and the month after that, I didn't sell, sell one home. Things just seemed like they fell off the cliff. And uh, shortly after that, I went through a divorce and was pretty well wiped out financially and and then in 2011, uh, had uh, everything else fell apart. You know, I had no more retirement, and the market was I was making a third of the income that I was that was used to making, and and I was about to lose my home, and I had to make the decision of do I keep my home or do I keep my business going? And I made the decision. Well, I guess I'm just gonna have to deal with the stigma of being a short sale. I'd helped you know a lot of people through the short sale process, and uh, nothing like be you know wearing somebody else's shoes become extremely empathetic and. And so I told my short sale expert, well, you know, I know how that you know, it's done. So at least I want to be able to at least live here for a while without not uh, making the payment. So I could uh, try to save up some, some money, but it was, uh, at a, and then shortly after that, I had major back surgery where they had to put a, you know, rods and plates and all that kind of stuff in my back. And it was just one thing after another in 2011 in December of 2011, things, this was in November that I had the surgery. By December, I was so completely broke and couldn't sell my home and uh, knew I was going to lose it. I was six months behind my payment. I, uh, I had to get a hold of something that I could hang on to, and uh, I, I was reintroduced to Think and Grow Rich. I picked up a book called The uh, Prosperity Bible, and it's accumulation of 18 books on the topic of prosperity. And the first book in that book is uh, Think and Grow Rich. And I, I became extremely, uh, well, my son and I, we both made a commitment to write, read through this 1,272-page uh, prosperity Bible, but I got stuck in Think and Grow Rich. And 
and especially in the faith chapter of the self-confidence formula, I personally needed a shot of self-confidence. And in that, Napoleon Hill talks about repeating this formula daily out loud so that your subconscious mind can hear you uh, speak it with conviction. And, uh, and, and that's, that's what, uh, so, so what I tell people is, is at that time in my life, there were three things that changed that, that caused my life to go in a different direction. Getting a hold of thinking, grow rich, and re-internalizing that self-confidence formula was one of those things. The other thing, believe it or not, Mike, I don't know if you know this or not, but you—I mean, I'm sure you don't know this—but you sent a postcard to me, a few of them, uh, and I, I don't remember the agent's name, but he was a guy with real short hair, and I forget his name. But it was some crazy number on there that he'd sold—I forget what—five or six hundred homes, and some crazy number like that. And I thought, yeah, right. But it created enough curiosity in me that I dialed up your website and I thought, my gosh, you know, who couldn't afford to belong to your, your, uh, you know, subscribe to your, your service? Um, and I, and I bought the service and, and uh, started listening to the, your interviews. And that totally changed my belief at that moment in my life as far as what I could do again. I could read, you know, I, I was getting tired, to be honest with you. I was, you know, pushing 60 years old. This was just three years ago that all this happened. Three years ago, I was about to lose my home. Three years ago, I had had the surgery, and I, this was a place in my life where I, I'm 62 years old now. I know it's just like 59 years old, and I'm thinking, my gosh, I should have been a millionaire by now, and here I am, you know, not knowing uh, what I'm going to do. I was about to throw in the towel and just, just give up because it was so darn hard. And after internalizing that self-confidence formula and getting, you know, some, you know, some really encouragement from your the interviews that I started listening that you had, had uh, done so great a job of, I um, went into my broker's office one day with my uh, prosperity Bible under my arm. And I said, David, I said, I'm going to sell 77 homes this year. And nobody of the hundred agents in that office ever sold 77 homes. And he knew that he knew my situation. He knew I hadn't made my office bill payment for you know three months, and he knew I was about to lose my home, and I had nothing pending. I'd only just started walking again, and and, and maybe it was the pain medication. I'm not sure, Mike, if that's what was talking, or if it was really the you know the inspiration of of what I had you know my reacquaintance, or maybe a combination. I don't know, but all I know is I looked him in the eye and I said, "I'm going to sell 77 homes this year," and uh, he laughed. I understand why. And I said, David, you can take it to the bank. I'm going to sell 77 homes this year. And, you know, and that was just simply, I pulled that number out because I knew what I needed to make for the year to, to, you know, to turn things around. And that year, long story short, we sold 77 homes. Wow. That is amazing. And the story goes on. You didn't stop with 77 homes. You had a series of amazing performance year after year of growth. Do you recall what the growth was the next year? How many homes you sold the next year? Well, again, I, I guess I'm, you know, got that childlike face sometimes, I guess. I said, you know, let's just let's double that next year. Yeah, the, the third thing that came, that happened in my life was my, my wonderful wife. She, she's uh, been such a blessing to me, and, and uh, she helped. She got involved with the business with me, took us paperless immediately, and uh, took a lot of the, those kind of challenges off my plate and helped me focus more on, on the business. And I said, let's, let's sell 150 homes next year, and let's double what we did last year. And believe it or not, we, we sold 153 homes. And when I averaged out the last four years, 
see, just f- about four years ago, I sold 28 homes, and then 44, and then 77, and then 153. We averaged over 60% growth each one of those years. So last year, we, our goal last year was to sell 250 homes. We didn't quite make it. We sold 242. That is just amazing. Why do you think you were able to jump so high? Why were you able to almost double your production each year? What What do you think changed? You said it was your. Was it all? Did it all come down to self confidence and setting a goal? A lot of it came down to that, Mike. Honestly, because you know I was, you know, you have to read the self confidence formula. I would encourage everybody to do so. You know, because you, regardless of your goal, you, you know. To have the confidence to know that you can achieve something is is a gift, and 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 that that had been really you know wrung out of my being basically, and to you know re- recapture it at such a level that nothing, I, knowing nothing, can get in my way of accomplishing this. I mean, I'll I'll be transparent here for a second. My my five year goal here is to be doing a thousand units. Now. I would have never, ever dreamed such a thing had I not been listening to your material and know that there's people on the planet actually selling a thousand homes. Um, in addition to that, I, you know, I, I, I started uh, using uh, Bob Corcoran uh, uh, consulting as a coach and Catherine is our coach. And I went to their CEO boot camp last year and, and I actually sat next to a guy that had sold a thousand homes. And I realized, man, his, he looks like he, you know, dresses the same way that I do and so forth. And this is so, so much of what I think when it comes to goal setting is, is having that belief system to know that, okay, you know, the, the playing field's level, if that person can do it, I can do it. Now, I did develop over the years a, a business model that is certainly causing the phone to ring and has a lot to do with it. Over the years, I've learned that everybody's dialed into that station, you know, that we all know about, W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me. Everybody's learned over the last five years that maybe equity is not a static thing. You know, during that tough process of almost losing my own home, I became extremely empathetic with the average homeowner out there that was struggling to sell. And I thought, you know, what can I do to bring to the marketplace uh, something that will help the, the homeowner that's competing with the distress sales what if I brought my services to the table for free for those individuals wanting to buy another home? What if I gave them that much edge? Because if they could lower their their cost, they could lower their price. If they lower their price, of course, we all know they're going to increase their odds of selling. And of course, um, you know, it didn't take long where the, you know the word has gotten out that I'm willing to do that. And I know it sounds crazy to to many agents, but you know. What happens many times is I, I saw a $200,000 home, don't get paid on it, and then I close five minutes later a $300,000 home, and I get $9,000 for doing so. So from that vantage point, it made a lot of sense to suddenly differentiate myself because what I haven't shared is the majority of my time here in, in the Nashville area, uh, the last 15, 17 years, whatever, it's, whatever it is now, I worked for somebody else as a initially as a buyer's agent, and then as a listing partner. And when I started, when I got tired of that in 2009, 2009 was not a good year to go out and get into real estate on your own when you're used to being part of a team. And, there, and I was working for the number one agent in the state, and we were selling large volumes of home, but homes. But I got tired of that race, and I, and I, so I went out and got my CDPE certificate or our education, which is wonderful to help people that are in a distressed situation. 
But after dealing with banks a few times, I thought, you know, I'd rather sit in a dental chair all day long than to have to deal with banks. This is awful. And then I realized, you know, I would rather work for free for somebody who's going to honestly care about that and make me the hero at the end of the day. And so, but I had no intention of keeping that business model alive more than a year or two. I mean, part of that was my own survival. And part of it was surely the market will change shortly. And then 2011 came, it still hadn't changed. And 2012, and then this little old lady came up to me with tears in her eyes and said, Monty, if you hadn't done what you did for, for Frank and I, Frank wouldn't be able to retire, and <clears throat> and we wouldn't be able to size down and, and move closer to the grandkids. And that touched my heart to a point where I came home and said, you know, regardless of economic conditions out there, I think we're going to keep our business model going because I, I love being the hero. I love serving people. I love helping people. And, you know, we want to make a living, and, and certainly, you know, we're, we've left, uh, theoretically left a lot of money on the table. Last year alone, we saved Middle Tennessee homeowners over $650,000 of typically charged fees and collectively now, you know, it's, it's been, well, it's well over a million, over a million three that we could have collected if, if we averaged that out as a, at a 6% commission. Well, Monty, I, I want to find out more about this program and I'm going to ask more in just a minute, but before I do that, I want to back up and give people perspective of where you are and where is Brentwood, Tennessee? Brentwood, Tennessee is about, um, eight miles north of Nashville, something like that. It's not a very big uh, city. I think there's 37,000 people in Brentwood, Tennessee. Um, well, we cover an area much larger than that. We actually cover about five counties around Nashville, probably a collectively a million uh, population around the whole middle Tennessee area. So Brentwood, is, is it a suburb of Nashville? It is a suburb of Nashville, yes. Uh-huh. Describe your current real estate market. There's areas that a home will sell overnight. There's areas that a home, the, the market hasn't changed that much for a few years. Our average sale price is a little over $200,000, probably about two ten right now. As far as locally, the values have been going up. So in general, it seems like that Nashville has been getting a lot of great PR nationally. A lot of publications have said it's one of the top places to be. Great, great uh, environment. Uh, it's not just all about country music here. It's, it's um, you know it's just a good economy. It's good, uh, solid. Uh, the weather's not typically bad. It's a, you know we have all four seasons. The airport is easy in and out. There's just a lot of uh, benefits to the Nashville area. Monty, do you have a niche or a specialization in your market? Our niche market is probably the for sale by owner. Uh, it's probably the uh, person who's feeling a little tight on the equity position and looking for an alternative. Uh, a way of selling their home and, and have considered selling their home on their own. That's that's really our niche market. Well, what I'm trying to bring to the table is excellence in light of an individual not wanting to pay an agent for their expertise. Because my conviction is we're all connected to this. If if a for sale by owner has a bad experience, um, you know, they, it's part of their real estate experience. I know that we can you know say well it serves them right because they didn't hire an agent. But some people didn't hire an agent because they had a bad experience with an agent. I used to teach real estate years ago and try to impress upon the young agents. If, if, we, if we don't impress upon the consumer our value, if we allow them to have a bad experience and then feel like they overpaid for that bad experience, they're going to find some way around us. And that was before the Internet. Now, now that uh, the Internet has given for sub owners a platform, 
to communicate in a consistent fashion, in an effective fashion, we're seeing a growing number of people that are trying to go around the realtor. So what I feel like our business model provides is an opportunity to bring a, you know, a needed clarity, a needed, needed professional experience, and still provide the savings that these folks are after. Well, Monty, let's dive into your your program and the model and how it works. My understanding is that you advertise We Sell Homes for Free. That's the name of your program. Could you please describe how the program works? It's real simple. Mike, we have an addendum that we attach to our contracts that says that uh, they're going to uh, you know, commit to buying a, another home with our help if we should waive the listing portion of the commission. And uh, to date... Uh, Again, we've helped, I think it's 100 and, I forget, 180 homeowners now so far, something like that. But we uh, we do, everything's in writing. They, they just sign an agreement. The nice thing about having somebody sitting next to you that has made a commitment to buy a home with you, and our buyer agents, of course, love this, because if they don't buy a home with our help, it's going to cost them an average of somewhere about $7,300. I think that's the average savings right now. So it really, it really locks them in, for sure, to buy a home with our help. And yes, I've had a couple of people bail on me, and and I have you know the the legal ability to go after them, but I don't I don't do that. If it became a bigger issue, obviously I'd make some changes. But most people respect the fact that uh, we are bringing what we're bringing to the table, and and uh, that providing that savings for them. So let's get into some of those details that are in your addendum. Do the folks that are selling their home do they need to purchase a home within a certain period of time? They do. They need to purchase it within 90 days of the uh, sale of that property. If they don't close, if they don't have something under contract the, the uh, day we close on theirs, then we, we do get a, a deposit from them to cover the hard costs of uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,500, just to at least cover the hard costs. And they, understand, they acknowledge in writing that that doesn't uh, relieve them of the responsibility of them buying another home with our help. When I started this program, there was so much inventory out there that it was I mean, it was part of the reason why I did it is because you could, you're basically incubating a buyer in the process of, you know, that's just by helping them sell their home. And if you could had a buyer, you were golden back then because there was so much inventory. And so it was no big deal to close on theirs and immediately close on another property. In the last year or so, you know, the inventory has certainly tightened up and more people are building a home now than ever before around here. And so we've had to, you know, put some additional costs in that just to, for carrying costs because the carrying costs have become greater than what they were before. Well, let's clarify more. So when you say work for free, you're saying that you on the listing side will work for free, but the seller still needs to pay the co-op agent at the closing of the sale of their home. Is that correct? That is correct. I explained to everybody that the average commission runs somewhere in the 6% range, 5 to 7%, let's use 6% for ease of numbers. And Three percent goes to the selling agent, the one with the buyer. Three percent goes to the listing agent, listing the agent helping this market the the uh, the property. We're waiving our portion of that commission, which is the listing portion, with your commitment to buy your next home with our help. In addition, on that addendum, of course, it talks about they're going to get pre-approved, pre-qualified, pre-approved by one of our preferred lenders, so that we know they are you know able to buy. That nothing's happened in their recent past that's keeping them from owning another home. You know, they, they are agreeing to buy one in the next 90 days, uh, or they will pay uh, pay us with the other part of that 6% commission. They'll pay us a 3% commission. It does help them focus on getting out there and finding a home right away, so they're, they're not having to pay that. 
But yes, that's how it works. And so if I understand correctly, if they get into this program and you go to the closing of the sale of their original home and they have yet to find a new property and they're not going to close, they're not going to do simultaneous closings, back-to-back closings the same day, the buy side is happening in the future, you are not collecting the commission on the listing side at that time. You have completely waived it with the understanding that they will purchase with you within 90 days. So you're, you're doing this all on trust. Yes, that, that, it's trust, but it is trust in, in writing. You know, they've, they've agreed to this. And, and of course, as soon as this is all in, in, in the works, you know, our buyer agent is working with them. And if there's any sort of indication that they're not going to move forward, then I, you know, pay them another visit or make another phone call to get clarity and remind them, you know, before we ever clo- sell on their, sell their home or certainly before we ever close on their home of their commitment. So, you know, I, I haven't had it turn out, turn out and bite me maybe maybe twice out of, you know, s- several hundred homes now that we've sold during this process. And, and to me, the good faith, the, the good, the, the, uh, the, the referral business that we get from this, there's so many other benefits, a- attributes to it that it's been worth the risk of losing a couple of transactions. Part of what I've established here, and some, certainly someone could modify my, my ease of operation here, but part of what I try, I've tried to stress is that I've tried to make it as pure as possible. You know, my conviction is, Mike, if, if my goal as a real estate professional, if my goal is to, to be your realtor for the rest of your life, that's, of course, all of our goals, then my, my conviction is then selling a home, you know, should be only a, a small attribute of my effort. My, my real goal here is to win your trust. And that's, why I, and that's why I try to make this as sincere and real and without a lot of hoops as possible, and that's what has served us the best. For several years, I was a listing manager of another agent, and there were billboards around town saying, if, if I don't sell your home in 90 days, I'll buy it. And then I'd have to go there and explain, look, here's how it works, and you really don't want to do that because we're going to discount it 20%, and then you've got to buy one of our listings and that kind of thing. It's really not the best thing for you. And I understand that I'm not criticizing that business model, but if truly, if, if I'm really, truly after your trust, I want to do what's the, ne- the next right thing for you. And my part will be taken care of. And that's, what I'm, I think that's why I believe the growth has taken place so much, because honestly, we're the hero when it comes to the closing table. And we're no longer the, and again, no offense to anybody, I promise, but we're not that realtor trying to, trying to sell you a house we are the we we are the the professional who has not only saved saved uh, them you know an average of over seven thousand dollars, but we're the we're the advocate we're the friend we're the we're the uh, expert we're the we're people that have wowed them with this the service that they never they've never experienced before. So we have such a high rate of honoring our agreement that it because we're working from a place of contribution, not of survival. Well, I think one of the benefits I bring to the table is I've had everything stripped away from me more than once, and I know what that looks like, and I certainly don't want to do that again. That's part of my urgency now as far as working, I guess, the hours I do now is because, you know, in another five years, I plan on being able to walk away from this. But I guess I know what it feels like at a deeper level of not having anything left, you know, to lean into. So... So, so it's a natural, uh, progressive experience for me to be able to work with people with such, uh, with, uh, with a, an effort of high level integrity and a high level of con- conviction of doing the next best thing for them. 
and working from a place of contribution. You can certainly empathize with people that are tight on their funds. You've created a program to resolve the challenges of your market when people are underwater or were very thin on their equity. And because you've you've trusted that they're going to do their side of the agreement, it has in fact worked out where if I added up properly, only 1% of the people have not uh, followed through and 99% of the people have. That's a pretty high success rate. Yeah, I mean, one percent haven't would be the, would be a high number. I don't know that it's even that high, but because honestly, the majority of folks have. So I make it real clear with them. Look, folks, you know, we're bringing it all to the table for you. All we ask is your loyalty. But my also, but also, I prepare them at that moment. And say, look, if we do everything I say, I'm going to, that we're going to do as a team, and we bring excellence to the table, and we save you thousands of dollars in the process. Unless you just don't like your family and friends, you're going to refer them to us, aren't you? And, of course, they chuckle and say, well, yeah, absolutely. I think that's why our past client referral number is as high as it is, because we're an easy referral. Unless they don't like their family and friends, they're going to refer them to us. Well, Monty, I'm sure there are people listening to your business model. They're, they're trying to get wrap their mind around whether this makes sense or not. And one of the questions they're going to have is, has the model been profitable? I mean, you're giving up half of your income. And if you look at it by transaction, if you look at this transactionally, that doesn't sound very smart. Is the model profitable? It is, Mike. You know, we're, we're probably at a 25 to 30% net profit margin at this point that we uh, pay taxes on after all our costs. I learned to be okay with that number because, you know, we have grown at a rate of 60% a year. Average when you're increasing your systems, increasing your marketing, increasing your personnel and so forth at that kind of a level. It doesn't leave a lot of room for profit, but we're, we're seeing this happen. And, and of course, you know, in this kind of a business model, it's, it's about numbers. You have to run numbers, but I refuse to be just another discounted marketing effort out there, another discount real estate company. I had no offense to anybody who is, but I refuse to do that. My goal is to bring excellence. My goal is to confirm in the mind of the consumer of our value as real estate experts. And I, I feel a, a very, very strong conviction on that. You know, for the last 18 months, I've been a writer for the Tennessean here, local, the local newspaper. Of, of I think they have a subscription number of around 500,000. But my goal is to is, is to educate the consumer. If I educate the consumer, then by default, if no other reason, the real estate professional locally has to step up as well. Because, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that anybody's taking advantage of anybody, but there are, you know, like any industry, there are those that have, and, and that's why, you know, we as a industry have suffered in the past uh, having a reputation that in some cases, in some areas that we have, and maybe I'm, I'm, you know, I came from Florida where, you know, that reputation was terrible. The Tennessee reputation is not as, not as bad. The, the relationships, the number of years that uh, a person has been in real estate is much, much higher on the average here in Tennessee. That's one of the challenges that I faced when I got into business here by myself, you know, just, uh, you know, five, six years ago. And in 2009 is when I jumped out to do it on my own. Monty, I'm listening to you and I'm trying to get my own mind around the, the benefit and drawback of your model. Every model has it. You tell me if this is true. It sounds to me that what you've done is you've moved away from looking at the business transactionally is in one sell, one buy, one sell, one buy, two buys, one sell, you know, transactional model. 
and instead you've moved more towards a relationship model where you're finding a client, you're building a relationship with them, and you're helping them fulfill the objective of selling house A and getting in the house B, and you've worked out a compensation model that works for you, and it's uh, reducing the cost for the, the client so that everybody is winning. My guess, again, though, is that you've moved from this transactional base to a relationship based. Is, is that true? You know, that's absolutely true, Mike. You know, it's all about the relationship. It's, it's, it's absolutely all about the relationship because if we were sitting down together, I would say to you, Mike, I know you brought me into your home to uh, talk about selling your home. But please understand this. My goal is way bigger than, than selling your home. We can do this with excellence. But my real goal, just so you understand this, where, I, where, where we are at, our real goal is to win your heart, to win your trust. That's a much larger commodity than just selling a house. We'll sell your house and we'll, we'll do you proud and we'll maximize the value that you can possibly get for your home. But our real goal is to get, to win your heart. And, 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 and say that with sincerity and that's the, the team approach that we're taking here. We're, you know, I know this is a different topic, but we're, we're building a culture here within our team, like that is literally walking this out with that level of conviction. You know, the thing about, you know, doing what I'm doing, and I, again, I, I know it's not for everybody by any stretch, but there's a couple of reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. One of them is I'm, I'm seeing, from my vantage point, the real estate world changing. I'm seeing our world changing, of course. You know, we know that Google's all that killed the, the phone books uh, experience. Expedia's destroyed. You know, the travel agent business, E-Trades, you know, rocked the stockbroker world. Netflix has killed Blockbuster iPhones. Kodak, Uber, and Lyft are, are destroying the, the, the taxi cab business. And, you know, I, I don't know what everybody's opinion is of Zillow, but my personal opinion is they, they don't have our best interests at heart. You know, they're, they're uh, but anyhow, regardless of that, uh, you know, I, I feel like we have to all be thinking out of the box. How do we impress upon the consumer our value and, and avoid being one of those necess- necessary evils? You know, because we do live in a relationship business, and I, and I certainly appreciate that. But what I'm seeing from my vantage point is more and more people are trying to avoid the opportunity of spending any more when they're selling their house than they absolutely have to because the whole equity world had been, has been changed so much in the, in the mind of... I was taught as, in my world is if you buy a house, it only goes up in value. In 2009, I sold most of the real estate I owned at that point for way less than what I ever invested in it. And so, again, I guess because of that compounding effect of those experiences, I became extremely empathetic with the average owner in that scenario. But it has created a true conviction that allows me to walk out this business model with, and, and it's working. I mean, how, how, how in the world could, else could I explain a 60% growth per year except that we are the hero when the dust clears? And, and I know everybody listening is a hero to some degree when the dust clears, but I, I just got them saving them, you know, seven, eight, nine, t- and one, you know, we closed one the other day, we saved them $27,000 because of a $900,000 property. And yes, they only bought a $300,000 property, but, he, but the number of people that they've shared that with has, has been compounding. And now we're getting multiple people in, in, uh, in place of that transaction. So yes, I have to do this in numbers. That's why my goals are so high, I guess, to do, you know, 400 this year. That's why, uh, that's why we have been focused on growing at the level that we're growing 
but part of that is to try to continue to stay ahead of the curve of, of the changes that I see taking place and to continue to absorb and bring um, integrity and excellence to the for sale by owners experience that it seems to be a growing group out there. Monty, it sounds to me as though your We Sell Homes for Free program is generating a lot of referral business and other other business that's coming in that's not for this particular program. Well, you shared some of your numbers with me before the call, and if I understand correctly, last year the We Sell Homes for Free program was about a third of your sales volume, about a third of the transactions. So it's not even half. So about 66% of your transactions are regular transactional type transactions or, or commissions that you would earn. So this is generating all sorts of other business. And I assume it's coming down to the fact that you're building this concept of we win your heart and you're getting a lot of referrals out of that. Is that true? It's absolutely true, Mike. Not not everybody fits you know fits in our uh, business model to, you know to, to qualify for that. You know, some people are moving out of the area. Some, you know, some people are just buying a home and, and all that. And we'll, we we obviously welcome those that we don't have to sell for free. That's a beautiful thing. But it's you know, it's also you know just like any uh, any sort of business model that's used out there that's out of the box a little bit, whether it's a guarantee sale or. Or I'll buy your home, or whatever. It's it's getting you in the door, and then and then winning the client over. Uh, so certainly, this it, it's not uh, you know we do yes we do uh, help a, a big percentage of our clients save that money. But and and the other part about it is most people are not sizing down. Most people are sizing up, uh, especially while the rates are as low as they are right now. As most people are going from a typical buyer's going from a two hundred thousand dollar home to a three or four or five hundred thousand dollar. A home, um, so that that you know the math on that works well as well. Let's talk about how you're promoting this program, getting the word out into the market, and driving customers to your to your door. My understanding is you have three main avenues that have worked very well. You've got radio ads, television ads, and newspaper. Let's break down each one. Let's first talk about your radio ads. How long have you been doing the radio ads? Uh, the radio has been about um, 18 months now. It's turned out to be 23% of our business. And what I learned in the radio uh, is I was trying to think of the gentleman in, in, in uh, Arizona, uh, Mr. Radio himself. Can you help me there? Russell Shaw. Russell Shaw. Thank you for pulling that out. I learned from Russell Shaw, the, the, and that's what first got my attention about potentially the radio and the things he did in mastering that. And uh, what I did learn is that here locally is that there's one primary talk radio show and that the, the benefit of talk radio versus the, the radios with stations with uh, music, of course, is that people will listen to those uh, more consistently than switching channels based on the song. This group of people, this demographic, whatever you want to refer to it as, they're loyal to these these speakers that these uh, these these hosts that they hear on these radio stations, especially during uh, drive time, and what I found out when I called on the uh, radio station here locally was that you know they did have an opening in the morning drive time with Ralph Bristol, and Ralph um, has a really big following. But what I found out was that she told me right off the bat is he won't promote everybody without investigating who you are, what you do, you know, are you legitimate, and so forth, because his conviction is. I'm 
these folks are my friends. I may not know who they are, but as far as they're concerned, I'm their trusted confidant. They're, they believe me, is why, and, and they've, they've grown to believe me, and I've got to trust that reputation. Well, I thought that was wonderful. To, to, I mean, we all know that personal referrals are, are our best source of business. The next best is having somebody who has that kind of clout in a local market that the consumer would, would believe them. And so, Ralph, when he shares that with somebody, they believe him. And uh, so, so it, that's, it blew my mind because when somebody first said you ought to try radio, I said, well, I'd, I'd heard Russell Shaw talk about it, but I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't listen to radio. Why would it, somebody else listen to radio was my attitude. And I, I kind of avoided it for a while. And then I thought, well, I'll check it out. I had no idea that 23%. We sold 63 homes last year off of radio. It's absolutely working. It's, it, I mean, I, I'm considering you know, going to another time slot as well just because this has been so strong. Whose voice is in the ads? Well, the ad is uh, Ralph Bristol, the uh, the host, and I've and I've done some spots myself. You know, they will uh, will let you uh, do some other ad advertising uh, sprinkled into the into the uh, uh, entire day, and, and their other advertising medium. But what I've found is people that have been listening to Ralph, they know that voice, they trust that voice, and so him his voice in that uh, commercial. That one-minute commercial is far better, and, and of course, I have to do one-minute commercials because I'm, you know, getting people to rethink. I'm having to educate. This is not just about hey, you ought to use this realtor; he's successful. This is about hey, are you thinking about selling your home anytime soon? Would it be great if you could get an excellent service in a professional fashion and save thousands of dollars in the process without, you know, giving up any of those other benefits? Well, you can, and then you know, and then and Ralph is sharing that, and it's been extremely effective. I, this week, I think we've gotten three or four listing appointments just this week, off of off of uh, Ralph Bristol here locally. I don't know if everybody has that kind of a, a talk radio show uh, around, but I'm telling you, it's it's the it's the best thing we've gotten into. What kind of talk radio is it? What type of topics are they talking about? Oh, a lot of it's political stuff. You know, I mean, that's the hottest topics out there, but whatever's going on in the country is what they talk about. I can't personally listen to it very long. I get mad when, I, <laughs> when they talk about how crazy our world is and so forth, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's usually a political flavor. On your radio ad, Monty, who, who is writing the script? Are you writing the script or does Ralph write the script? I write the script um, and then he personalizes it, of course, and he's tweaked it a little bit. He's got it down now that it's, it's powerful now. Now, those are its recorded scripts. Now, every every morning, that's when we, you know, do additional. Then the then the, the uh, endorse one every morning. The endorsement every morning. He actually does a live spot every morning at drive time, sometime between five o'clock and nine o'clock in the morning. But he's also done some recorded ones for me. That I've written the scripts. That I've written the verbiage on. I, what I'll, what we'll do is every once in a while bring Ralph into our our team meeting once in a while, a couple times a year so that he gets to meet the team, hear our conviction. We talk about the numbers. We talk about the number of people, people that are his listeners that have, you know, benefited by our program. And because I have a, you know, my conviction is people have to believe the messenger before they ever believe the message. And, and uh, you know, he, by him uh, seeing us and meeting us and seeing our numbers and seeing some of the testimonials and so forth, the video testimonials and that, it, it creates a greater conviction with him that he can str more strongly share from his heart 
hey, these people are legitimate. You know, they're sincerely doing a great thing here for the local community. Monty, how often does an ad run on the radio? You said that once a morning, Ralph is doing a live spot. You also have recorded spots. How often is your ad being played? Well, right now, it's just back down to that one every morning, five days a week. Every once in a while, they will offer us some uh, wholesale time spots where uh, instead of it costing, I think, $130 a spot or whatever, if you buy them in bulk at certain times where they have some space, you can get them for like $17 a spot. And then that will be uh, that will play on each each host program at least once during the day and some of their internet stuff. But I, excuse me, I found that the live ones with Ralph are probably the most beneficial. I, I, I haven't bought in this year yet the additional wholesale ones just because I didn't see that much of an increase of business when I was seeing the other shows. Uh, Ralph has a, a tremendous following. I don't know how many thousands that they expect, you know, that he has dialing in uh, each morning, but it's a live endorsement each day. You know what I'd like to do, Monty, at this time? I, I'd like to listen to one of those radio ads, and then we can kind of talk about it. Let's try to pull this in and see if we can if we can pull it off. And here it is. Here's the ad. Let's take a listen real quick. If you're selling your home this year, may I suggest a way to save thousands of dollars without giving up any of the marketing advantages of using a full-service agent? Use a full-service team of agents who will waive that 3% listing commission if you simply promise to buy your next home with their help. It's Monty Moore's We Sell Homes for Free program, and I'm happy to say we helped WTN listeners save an average of $8,100 last year. Monty and his team of 10 professionals sold 43 homes this way last year, valued at nearly $12 million, and saved the sellers a combined total of $356,000. Now, if you're not selling and buying, the Moore Group will still give you the best possible service and the lowest possible price. But if you are selling and buying, this is a no-brainer. You save 3% on the price of the home you sell, pay no more for the one you buy, and have an experienced team of real estate professionals that I trust working for you on both ends. If you decide it's not working, you can walk away, no obligations. Tell Monty you heard about this from me when you call his REMAX Elite office at 661-4400 or cell phone 300-8393. That's 615-300-8393. Or start online at WeSellHomesForFree.com. What a great ad. So that's all Ralph talking the entire time. He sounds very convinced that you have a great program. You've mentioned he's done research and even come to your office to meet your team. So he's really, in a way, become part of the team. He really has, and that's how we treat him when he does come to speak, that he is part of the team, and and he is an extension of who we are, as we are an extension of of who he is, because we uphold his, uh, his reputation, which he guards. And the beautiful thing about that fact is because he guards his reputation, his word means something, you know, so... I'm telling you, I would have never, ever in a million years guessed that that, that uh, talk radio could be so powerful. Any sort of radio could be so powerful, but it makes a lot of sense when you, you know, when you hear about how this came about and and how he's he guards his reputation so much that he, it's not just about a paid advertiser here. It's about you know investigating that paid advertiser, make their absolute. You know, one of the, one of the things he shared with us at our first team meeting, he goes. You know, we uh, we as a company, as a radio uh, station, we we gauge the quality of our uh, vendors by how well they take care of their complaints because we're speaking to a large crowd here and we know there's going to be complaints. And he talked about a, a local mortgage company that they endorsed as a company and how they had taken care of a lady who'd gotten unhappy and so forth because you can't make everybody happy and so forth. 
But then he went on to say that the crazy thing about you guys is we've never had a complaint. So I guess that's <laughs> as good as taking good care of complaints. <laughs> well, Monty, I'm sure everybody wants to know, obviously there are great results happening here. How much does this cost? What, what kind of investment are you making per month, per year? As far as the radio is concerned, it's probably... I think it's $3,500 a month is what that costs uh, now. With, with if Unless I'm buying extra time and space, the, the monthly commitment, I believe, is right around $3,500 a month. It's not for a beginner, and I know, it's, it, you know it took me some time to, you know, to build up to that, but if I knew what I know now, I would have gotten involved in, with talk radio way, way, way before now. I mean, uh, Russell opened my eyes to the possibility of Russell shot in, but... I didn't really wasn't really a believer. Another person that I know that used to do some radio advertising said you really ought to check it out as well. And the combined made me check you know check a little further. But I think that it would help me push it, push the whole effort over and getting you know, really getting in with both feet was the fact that I found out that you know Ralph you know checked out who he was endorsing and I and I related that to the value of a personal referral then because these people in their minds Ralph is a friend. Monty, looking at these these hard numbers here, it sounds to me like you're investing about $42,000 a year, and that last year that resulted in 63 homes being sold in this program. What do you think uh, that would translate into as far as income? It, it translated into, I had it written down, I'm sorry that I don't have it right now, but I know what the average value is of each commission course, and, and the way that translated was it was $180,000 of gross uh, commissions and I think the cost of that was, you've probably just done the math, but it, anyhow, it was about $120,000 of net profit over and above the cost of that radio. So that was, that's a pretty easy decision to make in the future. That's fabulous. So basically you're bringing in uh, an extra $10,000 uh, after your costs each month. So this is definitely a profitable venture for you to use radio. Absolutely. I think we're going to probably end up increasing it this year. Each... Uh, uh, host of each show. I mean, they have multiple. I think they have something like, uh, I think five or something like that different talk show hosts uh, throughout the day. And in each one, of course, will only endorse one of any type of entity. You know, Ralph only endorses one realtor. So my intention here in the next month is to communicate with them and see who else that they might have uh, during the the, the day that hasn't uh, is not endorsing a, a realtor. So each each one of those hosts has their followers. Oh, that's fantastic. I can't wait to hear how the expansion plans go. Monty, let's do this. Let's switch gears. Talk about another method that you're using to promote your program, and that is uh, television ads. How long have you been running television ads? Well, that's really my, that's been my first effort. So it's been about five years now. I've been on Channel 4 well over 100 times. It's simply a uh, kind of a, a little news show that tags on with uh, the the news. Uh, news. It, it runs sometime between twelve thirty and one o'clock. Um, I'm interviewed, and the uh, and so so I, I create the question. Uh, what my format is is I'll create a question from Sally Sue and Billy Bob from Mount Juliet, Tennessee, are asking, you know, what's uh, you know when's the best time to put my home on the market something to that effect, and, and I'll answer that question, try to bring value to the, to the marketplace, and then I'll do a plug at the end. I'll typically show a successful agent, I mean, I'm sorry, a successful seller standing behind a sign with sold on it, my name's on it, 
uh, my numbers on it, of course, and they're, they've got their thumbs up and they're happy. And, and then I'll, I'll have a quick testimony from them. Jim and Bob's, you know, uh, had their home on the market with another agent, was unsuccessful money, sold their home in three days for full price, and they saved, you know, $7,000. Uh, that's, that's the very end of it. It's only about a four-minute spot. So I try to make it not just an infomercial. I try to bring value by answering a question that I know people are asking on a regular basis out there so that so they don't just glaze over or fast forward when they see this, this guy on, on uh, you know, come up on that show. And uh, and then, of course, I put my plug in at the very end of it. Now, is this happening in the Channel 4 news segment when they're, where they're actually telling the local news? Yes, it is. They, their format now is uh, from 12 to 1, they have the news. And from 1230 to 1, 1 o'clock they, is when they sprinkle in these kind of things. So they go back and forth. They, they uh, uh, The girl who interviews me, Casey, she'll say, they'll toss it back over to you now, uh, Bob, and they'll go back into the news. So... The person wanting to watch the weather, wanting to watch the latest and greatest news around Nashville, uh, they're they're a captive audience in that particular environment, and it's been it's been really good. I mean, until until I got into radio, uh, actually the TV ad was was um, the, our number one resource uh, because you know obviously the, the advantage is if I if I come across in the right way, I, I'm going to be more believable, and it's easier to convey a message. Uh, and, you know, with the visual benefit of that than it is, of course, just over the air. That's why I realized after a short time that my personal recording on the radio wasn't as effective as Ralph's because they have to have a belief, a belief connection, I think, in that individual. And in, in the TV, I can I have that benefit that people can see I'm, I'm legitimate, I'm a straight shooter, I sincerely care, you know, about people, and I always try to bring... I always try to bring value where I'm answering questions that people are always asking. And then I you know, do that quick commercial, of, again, of some happy clients. People are looking for reasons to trust. We all know that people do business with people that I can trust. They're looking for reasons to want to trust. But what I, what I see these testimonials as is this, this quick picture is a bridge between them and myself that they're able to, okay, I think I can trust him. Look, those, those folks are smiling. They had a happy result, and they, plus they saved some, you know, several thousand dollars. So it seems, I think that's why it's been so, so uh, fruitful. So on the television ads, it looks like and it appears that you're being interviewed by one of the news hosts, maybe one of the news hosts out in the field. You said you're writing the question, so you're writing the entire script for that? Yes, I, all, I'm, all I'm doing is providing them the, the question, Casey asked the question, which I've written and, and gotten to them ahead of time, and then I just uh, then I answer it, you know, off the cuff, and, and then I, you know, and now like I said, they used to be five minutes, which is a heck of a lot more time. I used to have time to do three or four questions, and now they've cut that down, and so I, there's only time to do one question and then a testimonial. But what I've I used to do more of a, you know, a, a deal you know, trying to, you know, explain my program and that kind of stuff. But it, it starts becoming an infomercial. And I think it's really important to always be trying to bring value to the marketplace. You know, one of the biggest challenges I had was in, in reading Think and Grow Rich again, there developed within my heart the conviction that if we focus as agents on bringing value to the marketplace or any business, any industry, if we fo- stay focused on bringing real, true value to the marketplace, the marketplace and this comes with that self-confidence formula, I'm sure, but the marketplace has no choice but to reciprocate. It has to respond. I mean, I'll never forget, you know, I was 
it was, uh, you know, again, only three years ago and I'm, I'm walking back and forth in my office, you know, it's, it's that time where I, I was just, you know, really getting a grip on, it was at the same time that I, I it was actually exactly three years ago when I finally, when I walked into my broker and told him what I was going, I was going to do, but I was, things weren't happening. Nothing was pending. There was no, but I had this breakthrough, this mental, emotional, spiritual breakthrough where I was walking back and forth in my office saying to my assistant at the time, I said, Debbie, it has to happen. It's like the law. It's like a law. It's like gravity. If we bring value to the marketplace, the marketplace must respond. It must, you know, and I, and I know it probably sounds like snaking, you know, oil, or, you know, to some folks, you know what I'm saying here, but it, it's true. It's absolutely, a, it's a spiritual truth. If we bring value, if we're committed to as, as professionals to bring value to the marketplace, and, I'm, and I know, you know, majority, a lot of realtors are. If we get away from the idea that you owe me 6%, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, and get, and get more into what value can I bring, how can I overwhelm you with service and excellence and value, then, then the commission becomes a non-issue. I'm just taking it to another level only because of my conviction of our world changing and there being a larger segment of the population looking for a way around us. And I know, but I know in my heart that there'll always be a place for the, the full commission uh, agent. I don't deny that whatsoever. I'm just taking another route because, you know, for one, I was in an environment that was extremely difficult to break into. The good old boy market around Nashville was tough. And I, and I had spent most of my career here working under somebody else's shadow, being, being there uh, initially buyer's agent and then, then listing agent. I had no, I only have a database of around 500, 550, something like that, because I had no database when I was working for this other person until 2009. So yeah, I'm an experienced agent of 30 years, but here locally, I've only been in business for myself for about, about uh, five years. And that's, I think, one of the things that makes it so uh, mind-boggling to go from, you know, um, n- not anybody knowing who I am, not having any database, um, you know, to uh, now 242 units, 400 units this year um, in that, that quickest time span. Because, again, it goes back to that tried-and-true principle. Everybody is dialed into what's in it for me. And we all know that, and that's why we're all thinking out of the box of trying to get people's attention. And, you know, there's such a bombardment of of uh, people trying to get the individuals, the consumer's attention out there. They become numb. And that's honestly why I went to as far as I did about doing it for free. I could, If I was going to do it again, I'd probably say, you know, I'll sell your home for $99 or something because people can wrap their brain around $99. They couldn't, you know, the free issue, oh, there's nothing for free in the world. And that's been, that's been probably my biggest challenge on that. But Anyhow, my, my conviction is that as long as we bring value to the marketplace, the marketplace has to reciprocate that. And I think as an as a industry as a whole, if we'll continue to do that, we'll have a place in the world, regardless of, all, of, of uh, Zillow or all these other entities trying to steal that from us. Monty, these television ads that you've been doing, you said you've done around 100 of them. How often are you doing them, and how much do they cost? The uh, uh, TV ads... They they were um, two hundred and fifty dollars a piece. Again, I was doing. I started this uh, back in two thousand and nine. Since then, they've doubled in price, and so I uh, I spend a thousand dollars a month now just for two spots. I do it every other week, but I but I've done it for so long that people think they see me long uh, more often than that. I mean, it's many many times where I'm out in public and. and 
never know who. It could be a waitress. It could be whoever. Then aren't you the real estate guy? I was in a store the other day getting groceries in, and a guy stocking shelves came up and goes, I'm trying to get my wife to call you. I know you. Aren't you the real estate guy? I see you on TV all the time. You know, so the perception is that, of course, again, I've been out there uh, for a while doing this. And in any sort of this kind of advertising, you know, I think the biggest shock to me when I did it was the first time I ran that first ad on TV, I expected my phone just to blow up, just to burn burn up. You know, it was going to be so many calls. And there wasn't any probably or maybe one or two. And uh, that's why I learned I had to be you know, methodical in my approach and be okay with the fact that the word's getting around and people are, you know, that what that's doing is probably driving people to the website to check things out because everybody goes to your website to check things out. That's why it's so important when you ask somebody, well, how did you find about, find out about me? And they say, well, I went online and found you. Well, how, how did you hear about me to go online? And then you should find out that, well, it was the radio or it was a lot of times some other medium, but they're doing their investigation online. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Well, Monty, it sounds like. You're investing about $1,000 a month, about $12,000 a year. It sounds like you're tracking. What type of results did you receive last year from your television ads? How many people ended up buying and selling a home that came from the television ad? Well, last year we had, from the television, it was 11% of our business, which which equated to 31 transactions from from the television. That was a... 31 transactions is worth about $90,000. So we had $12,000 turned into $93,000. That's a great return on your investment, about eight to one. That sounds like that's been working very well. Have you considered putting more television ads out on other stations? I have. It's just, uh, I'm trying to, you know, what I'm trying to do is be strategic in our touches uh, because we all know, again, because of the bombardment of, of, of trying to get the consumer's attention, it takes more than one touch. I don't recommend anybody put all their money in one particular avenue. If I was going to do it all in one, I, again, I would probably do, do the radio only because it's so closely connected to a personal referral. If that, if you're, if the, if you have somebody like a Ralph Bristol in your local market, but what I'm trying to do is touch people in multiple ways. The challenge of that, of course, is that you know these are broad strokes it, it ends up like like a Russell Shaw of trying to of having to cover a, a very large area when you do that what I've tried to do over the years is use the broad stroke of the radio and the television and then in, and then come into local communities and try to do something smaller in, in many cases like like by newspaper advertising Bonnie I want to shift gears one more time you've told us about radio television tell us what you're doing with the newspaper well, the, the newspaper, I've had several large uh, ads that have been, you know, to be honest, kind of marginal as far as how effective they've been. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I am uh, also a writer for the Tennessee, and that's really not self-promotion. What that is, though, is, you know, confirming in the consumers, some consumers, consumers' minds out there that, because uh, I do have some followers now, that's been a, a great uh, tool that, uh, and, it's, and it's also helped keep me on my toes as far as, Uh, trying to bring something uh, fresh and unique and and something with some meaning to the local consumer. 
but uh, the, the Tennessee overall hasn't, it's only brought uh, 4% of our business, about uh, 9 or 10 transactions, so that hasn't been that huge. It has, uh, I think, uh, created a, you know, it's driven traffic to the website that's, again, becomes a little more difficult to, chat, to uh, monitor sometimes, but uh, again, I'm trying to touch people in multiple places. I, it, it's weird, you know, sometimes you don't know where, the other day, for instance, uh, I have an inside salesperson now that was calling an expire, uh, calling a for sale by owner, and he said, "You're not going to believe this. I just saw the guy that you worked for on on a Channel Four. I was watching the news, and he's talking. And next thing I know, you're calling me. That's weird. I'm going to list my house with you. Um, there's there's a lot of value in those. Uh, I mean, that's I believe we have to do is is touch people in multiple places. With the newspaper, it sounds like you're writing a column. How often do you write the column? It's a weekly column. I've done it now for over 70 weeks in a row. It's um, It's been far more challenging to do than I ever imagined because um, it's one thing to sit down, Mike, and, and, and write a topic, you know, write on a topic. It's another thing to, to sit down and write, um, you know, at, at no more than 450 words that means, that has some meaning to it and has, and leaves the the, or the reader with the desire to, to pick that newspaper up again. And, and and read it again, read it again. So um, it's been a, a wonderful uh, exercise for me. It's been a wonderful discipline for me. Um, at the same time, it's it's uh, it's like you know, as a if I was a kid and had homework all the time, is what it feels like sometimes. But it's it's a, it's interesting whenever I'm out and about and people do know that I'm a writer. They'll say, Hey, what about this topic? Hey, what about that topic? So fortunately, I'm getting fed by others on on various topics to write about, but I, I got to tell you, I really, really love it. I never knew I could write anything, but all I'm writing is my experiences, but one thing I'm trying to do, as, as I shared, is is um, educate the consumer, and by educating the consumer, you know, we uh, we elevate the bar. I mean, let's admit it, as, a, as an industry, we don't have a real high bar sometimes to get into this business, and that sometimes is why we have uh, individuals who maybe don't have the best interest of our industry or, or our reputation as a whole. And if I, if we educate the consumer, then of what to expect, this is what, this is what should be happening here. These are, you know, what the normal closing costs could be, or, you know, when it comes to occupancy, we should talk about this or whatever, you know, just, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that half the consumers out there don't think they know more than we do. Anyhow, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about, being, bringing real value, or real information to the consumer to educate them so that so that they're more increasing their likelihood of having a positive experience when they do hire an agent because they're going to know enough now that because I talk about this here locally, don't don't I I, I know it's an admirable thing to to want to help that new agent or want to help that <clears throat> and nothing gets new agents but want to help that the piano player's brothers aunt's uncle who just got their license that's a beautiful admirable thing to want to help that individual out but this is your largest investment now take the time to interview uh, two or three or four agents to make sure that you not just have somebody that you can bond with because it is a relationship but it's somebody who's climbed that mountain more than once or twice before that will keep you from the pitfalls and that's how i try to relate it to folks is if you if you you wouldn't hire a heart surgeon because it's the neighbor and you wanted to help them with their first heart, you know, operation, you find somebody who's done that several times. And the same thing with real estate, you deserve the best. So that, again, that's part of the message I'm trying to convey out there as I'm writing and, uh, and the consumers reading it is, is um, what to expect, 
and first of all, expect the best out of the individual that you choose and, and be purposeful in that. What happens too often is somebody, again, the consumers that dial into what's in it for me, they're not looking for an agent. They're just looking for a, pro- a property. And so they're, they're calling on a sign, which I have those signs out there too, and I want to get those calls. But they're not doing their homework then to confirm that that agent that they're talking with really knows what they're talking about or, or has their best interest at heart or is working from a place of, uh, of wanting to give and not one of survival, and, and, you know, it's gonna, which is going to affect their ability to make the right sound decision for them as their tour guide. I know I sound like a radical, Mike. I really am when I get going on it. <laughs> Monty, it appears to me that another huge advantage of writing this article in the newspaper is by being an author, you immediately build your reputation and you're gaining authority in the market where people will want to listen to you and work with you because you are an authority. Are you taking, say, clips of those articles that you're doing in the newspaper and putting them in, say, your uh, listing presentation or your buyer presentation? I have a picture of one of the articles in my listing presentation so that you know, those who don't know that I'm a writer are, are seeing that. And, and most people, the, the, the sad part about the paper is majority of people just, they don't get a paper. They, they, you know, what they're, those who read it are reading it online, which is, which is cool. The article is there, but it obviously with the graphics and sometimes that they provide for my articles, it would be really cool if they could see that big picture and that's conveying part of the message, you know, but uh, yeah, we use it all the time. And I'm, I'm, I've been, benef- you know, I've benefited certainly by the fact that I'm tied into the, uh, Tennessean's website, you know, the backlink there. So that's pretty, pretty potent. And, and being one of the writers, there's certainly value in that. And uh, uh, an authority, like you say, that's that's pretty huge to be able to talk about it. But as far as real dollars and cents back to us, I, I don't see a lot of it. But again, a part of that is the fact they're, they're they're being driven to the website, and sometimes we're probably not digging deep enough to find out where they got that initial uh, information. For this newspaper column that you're writing for the Tennessean, are you paying them or are they paying you? Uh, nobody's, nobody's making any money here. <laughs> I'm doing it for free, but it's, it's been such a blessing after, you know, almost 30 years, you can, you can get a little complacent. Uh, this has really kept me on my toes. One of the benefits of course is now I have 70 articles that are about, you know, 450 to 500 words each. I have 70 of those. I have somebody that is, that is putting that together in a small book that, that I'll be able to you know, pass out at listing appointments also, again, for that authority benefit, which is a big deal. You also have been generating business from your past clients in Sphere of Influence. Let's talk about that for just a second. How big is the size of your database of past clients in Sphere of Influence? My database is only around uh, 500, I think, or something like that. I don't uh, put everybody and anybody into it. It's just these are my past clients. Um, and majority of those are still in the area. Sometimes we'll continue to communicate to those who moved out of the area, knowing that they still have a circle of influence around here locally. But uh, as I mentioned, you know, I only started here in uh, on my own in 2009. So prior to that, I was working for somebody else, and and uh, so I haven't had a lot of time to develop a large database. But because of our call to action, you know, even even with that uh, small database, because of our call to action. Our value proposition is so strong that uh, we st- we get a, a large percentage of business off of that small database. Molly, what software are you using to track these folks? Yeah, I'm, I'm not the technical guy. I'd have to ask my wife what we're using. I'm sorry. 
uh, you could, you know, hold it in front of me and I wouldn't know what it is. I mean, well, you're a top producer, I know that, but I wouldn't know how to, you know, I wouldn't know if it walked up to me and shook my hand. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's good. Uh, well, Monty, how are you staying in touch with these people? What are you doing, let's say, over the course of a year to stay in touch with your past clients? Uh, I'm a big believer in um, in the postcards. I don't have parties. I don't have those kind of things. I don't give a lot of things away. I mean, I've always already given a lot away, you know, in the, in many cases uh, with the savings that they realize. But what we try to, what I try to do is write a quarterly letter, you know, just updating people on the market and so forth. We just sent one out recently, and, and in that it had a business card with a magnet, of course, and another business card uh, for them to put in their pocket and told them to do so. Um, I'm a big believer in, in uh, postcards. Uh, I'll get a stack of postcards of, you know, of three or 400 and try to sign a few of those on a personal note. Um, I just think that I know it's going into the garbage can. I try to get the post, a big postcard that has some something meaningful on it, some sort of motivational type comment. A quick, make a quick note. Hey, Mike, I just wanted you to know I really appreciate you. I hope you're having a blessed spring or something like that. And, and send those out on a quarterly basis as well. Um, and I do, uh, on my ideal weeks, I try to create a golden hour between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock and call, uh, methodically call, systematically, I mean, call uh, past clients just to check on them, see how they're doing, and uh, remind them, you know, that we're, we're uh, saving people thousands if they know of anybody that's looking to buy or sell a house. You mentioned your call to action. Is that how you phrase your call to action? We're saving people thousands? Yeah, um, yeah it's a... Yeah, that's really what I I do. I mean, it was another the other term I had was about our value proposition is uh, is saving people thousands with excellence. Though you know, it's it's that's what we always try to to bring into that comment is um, saving people thousands um, with but but with true excellence. These postcards that you're sending out, you said that they're more of a personal nature. You're you're basically doing a a handwritten card. Instead of doing a handwritten thank you card and putting it in an envelope, sounds like you're doing a handwritten postcard and sending it out to your past clients. Yeah, I, you know the name is right there on them. I can. I just think that you know it just goes back to you know everybody that philosophy. Everybody knows that p- people don't care until they know that you care. And by by personalizing it, not long ago I had one of my clients. I I sold them a house probably eight years ago, and I said you know on there I said Bob and Sue, Susan, I just wanted you to know I appreciate you. And she, she sent, she called me back and she goes, how do you remember us still? You know, I didn't want to tell her, well, your, your name was on the postcard before I wrote the note, but I, I didn't say that, you know, but, but that's all they're seeing is that they're seeing that you're in your writing, that you're writing something, just something simple, just something easy. It, it, you know, if you, if you have that pile of postcards there, you can do it while you're doing other things, but just do five or 10 of them a day. It's not that big of a deal. What's on the other side of the postcard? You said just a, a motivational quote. It just uh, some sort of motiv- motivational quote. Because I, I, some people have told me they put it up on the refrigerator. One lady said she framed it because it meant something to her. I just want—I always want to be trying to touch people's hearts when I can. And I think something with meaning like that, and not just a cartoon or not just a picture of a, a puppy. I mean, puppies are great. I love puppies. But I like to have something that has a, a little more uh, stickiness to it that they might have another reason to hang on to that. Monty, when you make the phone calls to your past clients during your golden hour, do you ask for referrals directly? Mike, to be honest, I, I typically don't. I just, you know, I, it's, it's a pretty short conversation. I'm just asking people, how are you doing? How are the kids? Uh, 
I'll try to have uh, you know some notes there in front of me that, so I can remember if I can remember something specific about them. Um, I especially try to do that during a uh, an anniversary date. I've got everybody now, you know, where I I know who's bought their house last year, so I can have that excuse to call them. Just wanted to wish you, you know, happy anniversary and hope everything's going well. You know, don't forget about us if you want to make uh, you know somebody happy. Make sure you tell them about our program and saving people thousands. Um, you know that kind of thing, and and I think that has a lot to do with why our our referral and returns are such a big percentage. I mean, to, to collectively, I think we're at 19 percent between referrals and uh, uh, customer referrals and customer returns. That was an interesting statement you just made. I think you said if you want to make someone happy, tell them about us. I belong to a BNI group, and what we really try to be uh, clear on is when somebody gets sends us a referral, we try to make them that person, the hero, in the eyes of their family or friends or whoever it is that there's, as a quick example, the other day, the financial guy at the BNI meeting said, let me understand this. This is what you do, right? I said, yes. And he goes, well, I know somebody. And so he sent me over to a young couple's house that had bought a home about two years ago. Didn't have a whole lot of equity at all, but they wanted to get a bigger house because they were adopting a couple of kids. And their home wasn't worth any more than what it was when they bought it a couple of years ago. And they were going to have to pull out of his pocket, basically, by getting out of in their investments to bring money to the table. But instead, I was able to save them, in this case, $10,000 when they sold, and they turned around and bought a $400,000 home the next day. Well, the point is, um, I said, you know, your financial guy is so good that he went out of his way to find somebody who would save you that $10,000 because he, he's so committed to your bottom line as, as trusting him with, with your investments. Well, for, from his standpoint, of course, you know, it, it, I'm sure he likes to be made the hero and, and, and his uh, wisdom and, and uh, so forth uh, confirmed, but uh, it also kept that $10,000 or $20,000, whatever they would have had to pull out of their pocket, 10000 in this case, it keeps that, that in that investment so that he, he's not looking at them pulling money out of those investments. So in that case, it was really easy to make him the hero. And that's one of the groups that we're, we were pursuing as attorneys and financial advisors and so forth. And, is, and, our, and our mantra in that is, let us make you the hero. Those people that have influence over people's financial decisions. As far as lead generation, have you done anything with mega open houses? Well, Mike, I certainly have. You know, it's <laughs> open houses. You know, it used to be a cuss word in my in my world. I, my kids grew up <laughs> with me doing open houses, an open house every Sunday. I'd get out of church and go to an open house. And I, at the end of, I mean, I, I've said over 500 open houses, so I've sure as heck earned the right to have an opinion on open houses. Now that was years ago, and but that's the opinion that I carried over when I. You know, when I read your uh, material and heard your material about what's the difference now that's taking place, the paradigm shift, it made so much sense. And then I hired an agent who had been had had some success in open houses, and you know he helped convince me. And so we've taken your information, his information, and we now now when we hire an agent, and we're actually in the process of doubling the size of our team. We are going from five people to ten people here in the next few months, and the reason that because we have again such a great uh, you know call to action, such a great value proposition. It, it's I need more feet on the ground sharing that, but we now require our agents to do two to three open houses per month. If they don't agree to do that, they're not on the team. 
now we have at least, I think this weekend we have four open houses going on, four mega open houses going on. And, and, and obviously, you know, you know this already, but the difference is back in the day, that's when people were doing their homework. That's when they were out kicking tires, kind of getting a feel for what they're looking for. And that's why I, I can count on one hand how many homes that actually sold through open house. And now we're, I mean, I'm sure of the four that we're doing this weekend, I'll bet you $100 that we will sell two of those for this Sunday through open house. Now, I mean, because here's something I haven't shared. One, one of the things that, that I do that I, is a little different than somebody I heard talk here recently that you interviewed is I'm a believer in strategizing with uh, our listings. There are pockets around here that are really, really, really hot. When, when I sit down with you, Mike, if I sat down with you and I said, look, Mike, your home is probably worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 300000 I understand that you want to ask for three hundred nine, but let, let's do this. Let me take that hit of $9,000 and price you strategically so you're going to be far more desirable as a, as a listing out there. Because at 309 yeah, we know that eventually your home should sell for somewhere around $300,000. Know, I know you're trying to build in um, you know, some negotiating room, and I get that. But what if we did this? What if we priced it to $299,900? you are going to get the same amount as you would have at, at 309 with the last agent that you had your home listed with. And we come out of the box so at $299,900, we do this. We're going to list your house on Saturday or Sunday, activate it on Monday, but we're not going to let anybody look at it till next Sunday's mega open house. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to create a pinup demand for your house. And please understand, Mike, it's not so that I can get more for your house than what your home is worth, because we know it's only going to appraise for what it's going to appraise for. There's no point in playing that game of trying to bid it up to 310 or those kind of things, although... Uh, we can talk about that because there's a there's a there's an answer to that as well. But what I'm what, what I want to do is I'm going to um, we're going to strategize. Where we're going to bring a professional photographer in here and get, make this home look really outstanding. We're going to put it on the market. We're going to allow all these other ancillary websites that all, everybody gets their information from to to get that listing out there. And then we're going to not make it available. And yeah, I know it's going to frustrate some agents, but we're not going to make it a lot to be shown until next Sunday between one and four. And I know that there possibly could even be some offers ahead of time, but we're, we're going to tell everybody we're not accepting any offers. We're not looking at the offers until Monday, and we'll respond by Monday at 5 o'clock. I can't tell you, Mike, how many homes I've sold this year with this strategy. Now, please understand this, though. It's not necessarily to get the highest number, but here's the deal. You, you have brought me in here to help, help you sell this home and maximize it. We know it's only worth $300,000. It's only worth what it's worth. But, but you know, I've, I've really helped you price it correctly because I've lowered your cost to sell. And you're going to strategize with me and trust me in this situation and, and follow my direction so that it's not just about maximizing and getting the most we can for it, but it's also having the multiple offer situation going on so that we have not one offer after a month or two to talk about, which might be FHA where the seller's having to pay all the closing costs and they're only able to put $500 down and those kind of things. We're going to have three or four offers to pick from if you'll follow my direction. And we're going to choose the one that may not be the highest number, but we're going to choose the one that is showing us the, the greatest strength, the one that's most likely to get to the finish line. Because we're going to go out and help you find a house and the last thing I want is that, that your deal falling apart. So we're going to 
strategize this process. We're going to have multiple offers. One time I did this, I had nine offers on the table. Now, to pick up on that comment I made a minute ago that we can actually sometimes go for the highest offer if we know we've got a really hot property. And, and, and I had one recently where they, somebody was offering $10,000 more than what everybody else did. They were asking 15, offering 15000 more than, than the asking price, 10000 more than in, in the, next, the next highest bidder. But, but I knew there was no point in that because the house, no, no way in the world would it appraise for that. And so I said, are you willing to guarantee the difference between sales price and appraisal price in cash difference? They said, yes, we're willing to do that. We really want this house. And so in that case, we ended up getting uh, $15,000 more, in that case, more actually more than what the house appraised for because I had it priced at where I knew it would appraise for. So that's a strategy that I've learned, and I, I didn't do it until you taught me about mega open houses, until we... We got into your material, which is so outstanding. I mean, a brand new agent can, can understand your mega open house information. As a matter of fact, because a couple of my agents hadn't embraced it at the level I wanted to, I had one of my admin break it all down in, in, in uh, bullet points and so that they start with that. And then part of their homework requirement is to listen to all these, these uh, recordings because there's no reason not to be an expert once this is done. So what all I've done is added to that is creating the fear of loss. The fear of loss is the greatest motivator on the planet. And if I can help you strategize and position your home so that you're going, the people are afraid of losing it right now of the four listings that we have uh, coming on the market. I mean, the four open houses that we're doing Sunday, three of those, all four of them are brand new, but three of those, we are creating this pressure behind right now, and and I I have I have I've already gotten two offers on one of them, but I, I've already told them I'm not going to look at the offers until next Monday, and so we, we, that way we're able to, you know, no no offense, and I I know it frustrates some agents. It frustrates me when I'm on the other side of anything that looks like that. But you know, Fannie Mae is one of the ones that taught me into the uh, that process of them when they put their home in the market. They'll put it down there lower than what it is to create a feeding frenzy, and I get all that. But it, this is a little more personalized where we're, where we're going to not just save you that $9,000, Mike. We're going to strategize so you maximize, so you, you know, we increase the likelihood that you're going to have a successful closing on your home so that you can make plans. And we can get some other things built in because in, it's customary in our, our state to turn over the keys the day of closing. That's too risky. I've seen too many things fall apart or get postponed the last hour and you're sitting there in a truck, no place to go sleeping on the floor now for a week or, or whatever. So if I've got multiple offers and people are afraid of losing something, they get their, put their best foot forward, they're willing to accept the property in as this condition, they're willing to put their 20% down or whatever, and they're willing to, to borrow from mom and dad the closing costs because they're, they're convinced they're going to make that offer as cl clean as possible because they don't want to lose that, that home. Or we could price it at 309 like you had it, and we can wait for that buyer who's willing to pay, you know, some... It, that's not going to be motivated by that fear of loss. So, anyhow, that's that's a, a little something we've been doing lately. And I, I'll, I like I said, it's the mega open house that's opened my eyes to this because, with all those signs out there, with all those sports cars going out there, with my team knocking on the doors around the property and letting people know about it, and you know, then you know, something else we've done is put. We've created, uh, we got open houses that say open house today. That seems like it creates an urgency, and we put those all over the place, and the balloons, and all the stuff that you, you guide us to do through that information. We use all of that, but in addition to that, we, we use hot properties, and we have crowds of people in these homes. So we're, 
Well, obviously, you know, our goal obviously is to try to sell the home ourselves. We're not an idiot. You know, uh, it was one thing to nurture that relationship uh, with the listing until they become a buyer and then use them as a buyer. But with, you know, with this kind of uh, inventory shortage, the goal is to at least capture buyers, if not, you know, sell that property ourselves. But, you know, I give everybody a fair shot at it. And I stress with all the agents, look, uh, nobody, nothing's going to happen until you get to show it. If you show it by this Sunday, by, by 4 o'clock. So, anyhow, I, I, this is one of the hottest things that we have done and most productive to ensure that when we sell your home, that we're able to take you to the next home with confidence that we're going to get the finish line because I'm looking at the whole deal. I'm not just looking at the number. I'm looking at the, the agent, their experience. I'm looking at the lender they're going with. I'm looking at the, the, the type of transaction it is. I'm looking at how clean it is, how many loopholes there are, all these details. And I'm telling you, those kind of things go out the window when people are afraid of losing something. And it's so much more powerful to have multiple opportunities to look at than it is just one because we tried to, you know, to age a home till it got its maximum dollar or, or, or whatever somebody's philosophy might be. I just, I just think the fear of loss is a greater motivator. Thank you, Mike. I know you, you spent a lot of time, a lot of energy in that in the creation of that, that material, and I'm really grateful for it. Well, Monty, you've mentioned several times during our, our talk here, Napoleon Hill and his self-confidence formula. Could you tell us the self-confidence formula right here? Do you know it? I, I can't. You know, I, I, I said it, uh, you know, he says in the bottom of it that uh, I will sign my name to this formula, commit it to memory, and repeat it aloud once a day with full faith that it will gradually influence my thoughts and actions so that I will become a self-reliant, successful person. That's the very end of the self-confidence formula. And mine is signed... January 13th, 2012. And, and Mike, um, this, this has been life-changing to me, and, and I, uh, it's one of the things that I insist that my team embraces because, um, well, you know, this is the self-confidence formula. It's five steps, and I so encourage anybody to, you know, to really em- embrace this uh, information. But the first step is, I know that I have the ability to achieve the object of my definite purpose in life. Therefore, I will demand of myself persistent, continuous action toward its attainment, and I here now promise to render such action. Step two is I realize the dominating thoughts of my mind will eventually reproduce themselves in outward physical action and gradually transform themselves into physical reality. Therefore, I will concentrate my thoughts for 30 minutes daily upon the task of thinking of the person I intend to become, thereby creating in my mind a clear mental picture of that person. The third step is, I know through the principle of auto-suggestion, any desire that I persistently hold in my mind will eventually seek expression through some practical means of attaining the object back of it. Therefore, I will devote 10 minutes daily to demanding of myself the development of self-confidence. Number four, I have clearly written down a description of my definite chief aim in life. That's one of the things we've got to do. We've got to, we've got to keep ourselves from becoming wandering generalities and meaningful specifics. And by writing that definite chief aim in life down, we become very clear. And our subconscious doesn't know the ability to say, <laughs> deny anything, just know what, whatever you tell it. Since, uh, I'm sorry, <clears throat> I've clearly written down a description of my definite chief aim in life. And I will never stop trying until I shall have developed sufficient self confidence towards attainment. And the fifth step, which we have um, internalized as a team, is I fully realize that the reason this one, this part of it is so meaningful to me, 
Mike, is, is this part of the self-confidence formula really touched my heart when my son and I were both having some challenges financially and we'd made the commitment to get together once a week and debrief and tell each other what had spoken to our, our ourselves. And I got to this part and when I got halfway through, I started weeping because it had just really, <clears throat> it, I'm sorry, <clears throat> it had really exposed, you know, one of, some of the reasons, one of the reasons, you know, why I wasn't uh, doing any better in life than what I had been doing because, you know, anger can be uh, justified, but it's still not good for you. And uh, so, you know, let me read this real quick. The fifth step of the self-confidence formula. I fully realize that no wealth or position can long endure unless built upon truth and justice. Therefore, I will engage in no transaction which does not benefit all whom it affects. I will succeed by attracting to myself the forces I wish to use and the cooperation of other people. I will induce others to serve me because of my willingness to serve others. I will eliminate hatred, envy, jealousy, selfishness, and cynicism by developing love for all humanity because I know that a negative attitude towards others can never bring me success. And I will cause others to believe in me because I will believe in them and especially in myself. And, and that, um, in, you know, reading that daily, internalizing that, memorizing it has literally, you know, pulled me out of a situation where I was ready to throw in the towel. <laughs> and then the, excuse me, and then the, the, the direction I felt by, okay, I can do this. Here's somebody who's doing it at the, at the tune of over 400 to 500 units a year, year. What, what's, it's not, you know, life is not more fair for him than it is for me. Surely I can, you know, pull myself back up out of the situation and do what somebody like that has done. So, I, again, I go back to thank you for that postcard. Uh, you're welcome, Monty. Monty, thank you so much for reading that to us. And, and I'm glad it has been so inspiring for you and directional for you. And you've used it as a, a lever to to really shoot your career up into the stratosphere it's been pretty amazing and spectacular and and i'm going to reference everyone over there to napoleon hill's self-confidence formula i think we could all benefit by taking a read and, and taking it to heart what i'd like to do at this point Monty, is i'd like to switch over and talk about your team and uh, what i first like to do is a quick outline of your team that would be fantastic well, we have a team of 12 right now. <clears throat> we have my, my wife is the operations manager. She, she oversees everything on the admin side. We have one listing manager. She takes care of all the details of the listings, of course. We have two contracts to close specialists. We take care of not just my transactions, but those of the team. Um, so with it, so we're, we're a full-service effort, and we're a consistent uh, full-service effort. We have five buyer specialists. Most all these buyer specialists are new to the business. My most senior person got his license last May, but he um, he's doing outstanding. I think he said yesterday he's got seven or eight pending transactions right now. He's doing awesome. We have one marketing manager, which is my son, who makes sure that our internet stuff is doing what it's supposed to do in Facebook. He's getting he's tapped into a, some lead generation on Facebook. We have one. Uh, inside salesperson who's new to the team. Um, it's wonderful having a licensed person who's calling for sale by owners and saying, look, we understand why you're trying to save the commission. We get that. But 
you would never, Mr. Homeowner, take your significant other into your favorite restaurant, pour your own wine, cook your own meal, serve your own dinner, wash your own dishes, and then as you're leaving the establishment, pick up a $150 tab. You'd never do that. And yet that's what you're doing here. In this case, if you insist on doing it for sale by owner, if you're going to buy another home here locally, it only makes sense to allow us to take this, um, this, you know, hassle from you. So that's been a great lead in there. And then we have, of course, that team leader and I'm the rainmaker, of course. Monty, one of the things I didn't ask you earlier, but I'd like to ask you now just for clarity, you are still a very active member of the team. And what I mean by that is you're very active out in the field how many homes did you sell yourself last year? How many were attributed to your direct action as the listing specialist? In the last uh, two years, I've, I've averaged over 110 homes myself. Uh, last year, I think I sold 130. I, I had always had a goal since I've been to Nashville to sell 100 homes. And so I, you know, last year, I sold 101, I think. And this, year, this last year, I uh, sold 130, I believe, something like that. And obviously, I'm trying to, uh, I'm developing new agents. I have had a few of the more experienced people on the team. What I learned in that process is something that Bob Corcoran spoke at at the boot camp was hire the right attitude that fits the culture, and you can train the details. And so what we have opted to do after a couple of experiences of, of, of hiring people that were super good at closing and all this kind of stuff, but they didn't fit the culture, we've let them go and we've now replaced them with people that are hungry to learn, have some success in their former business, but I'm not having to help them get uh, over uh, bad habits. And they appreciate the fact that we're creating these leads for them on a regular basis. I understand that you have core values for the team. What are core values and what are your core values? That's a great question, Mike. And you know, again, I go back to Bob Corcoran's uh, boot camp last year because he said, you know, be sure and develop core values for your team to stand on. And I didn't know what a core value was. I couldn't tell you what a core value was. And so I just wrote down his core values and I thought, well, that's cool. And so one of the things he guides us to do is to have a 15 minute huddle every morning where we're, everybody's on the phone and we're all communicating as a team. And and so once in a while, uh, I would read those core values, but they didn't have a real purpose to us. And then it dawned on me about six months ago, wouldn't it be better if my own team created our, our core values? And so I had uh, commissioned each person to study the topic of core values. It's really easy to find that information. And I said, I want you to, there might be some overlapping, but I want you as an individual to share with, with us as a team what's, what speaks to you, what core value speaks to your heart. And so now we have these uh, amazing core values that, you know, uh, that are, are coming, like, like this, this latest, this newest person that we just hired, brand new, right out of the box. One of the things I said, yeah, I want you to do in the next few weeks, I want you to do some research on core values. Here's our core values. I want you to share us with one that speaks to your heart. He sent one that says integrity. We strive to hold ourselves up to the highest degree of integrity and professionalism. Together as a group, we will overcome all hurdles placed in our way. To get real service, you must add something which cannot be bought or measured with money, and that is sincerity and integrity. And and I just and so, because what I what I what, what I share with the team is that as we press forward in life, as we press forward, uh, you know, to these um, you know to these huge goals that we have, 
and, and accomplishments, life is going to push back. And we have to have these pillars underneath us as a team. We have to know what we stand for as a team and as an individual. And, of course, the goal is not just to help them as a team member, but to help them, them as uh, in their own personal lives. And so life's going to push back. So what do you believe in? And that's why I, I and, you know, I'd stress with everybody to continue to read the self-confidence formula on a regular basis. But we as a group then, on our monthly team meetings, we'll, we'll go through these core values. And uh, uh, it's just been very, very, very beneficial. I'm so grateful to be introduced to, the, to these because what has helped happening through the creation and the acknowledgement and the uh, re- being reminded of these core values as a, as a team, it's be- building a culture that is becoming so awesome. And it's why we're able to provide the service we do because we're not just a bunch of individuals doing our own thing, but we're a team. We're one unit that is focused on bringing excellence to the consumer's experience, ensuring our future uh, in the industry. And anyhow, so I, I, love the, I love the core value uh, aspect of, of the team, and it's so important, and I, uh, it is so important. Monty, could you uh, quickly list the core values that your team has put together? Oh, sure. Uh, one of them is um, unstoppable. I, I won't read the definition of each one of them, but... One of them's unstoppable. My wife wrote that. One's diligence. One's authentic community. One's determination. One's praise. One's kindness and compassion. One's we listen. Commitment, empathy, excellence, humility, unforgettable. We are committed to building lives worth having, memories worth making, and enriching the lives of those we touch so much that we are never forgotten. One is the integrity. One I just mentioned. One is honesty. And one is win-win, which is taken from the last um, verse of the self-confidence formula. I've made that. We realize that no welfare position can long endure. And so everybody has that list, and everybody knows what they what those words mean, and uh, and we talk about it on a regular basis. Well, Monty, what drives you? I love serving people. I love making a difference. I love the idea of... Uh, you know, controlling our financial future. I love that. I have a high school education. Um, you know, this has met, uh, this business has met the needs that I personally have as far as, you know, those, those characteristics. And, um, I think that's what drives me is just, is trying to make a difference. And, and I think well, going back to that cultural thing, I love having an environment here where people love coming to work. I love having a, a, a team of people who love getting on the call uh, every morning and uh, talking about their, you know, their, their successes, and uh, I love that. Monty, why have you been so successful? Well, I, I think that, I mean, I know I'm blessed. I, I think that just knowing that um, I don't give up, you know, I, I know that, that success is available to all those who decide to pursue it. Um, I just, I, I won't give up. The, uh, uh, I think that's the primary reason, I guess, Mike, that I'm successful is I, I believe I can be. And I've, I've experienced the other end of things where at one time in my life I qualified for food stamps because things were so bad. I didn't, didn't tap into it, but I was, was there qualifying for it. I've gone through, uh, so much adversity that, um, I think that uh, 
you know, real estate provides a, a vehicle that we can truly, you know, touch people and make a difference in their lives. And, and I, I get a, a lot of enjoyment out of that, I got to tell you. Monty, you have this great concept that's working really well, this We Sell Homes for Free program. And there are probably some agents out there listening that they might be interested in that kind of thing. Is there a place that, that you have where they can learn more about that, either uh, training or get information about that program and how they maybe can implement that program in their market? Well, I, that's a great question, Mike. You know, over the years, I've had several calls from other agents, you know, hearing about seeing me on Facebook or something, asking me, wow, this seems like a good idea, you know, tell me how you do it. And I know there's a few agents that are trying it. Uh, I am putting together, um, you know, a, a guide. I, I'm putting together a, kind of a manual of the processes that we've learned. You know, I've made a lot of mistakes for the last six years, blown a lot of money that I shouldn't have. I really appreciate you asking this question because one of the things I want to do is, for your listeners, you know, while I'm, you know, in the pro- I'm in the process right now of creating it. And my intention was initially to, to put something together and someday down the road charge a thousand bucks for it. And I might do that. I'm not sure, but right now. I would like to make to your listeners because you've been so gracious to me and I've benefited so much from your material from that postcard on and the, and the people that have shared their hearts and shared their experience and then open, open books to the rest of us to listen to this material. Uh, I'd like to make that available to, to those who would like to, to check it out. So if they would just simply go to my website, we sell homes for free.com forward slash manual. That's www.wesellhomes.com forfree.com forward slash manual, M-A-N-U-A-L, and, uh, and follow that, that guide and you know, give us your information. We'll send you what we have uh, created on the information absolutely free. Ignore the request for uh, uh, the, the money on there. Just ignore that part. Just put on the coupon code Mike so we know where it came from. And it is something I think that, uh, again, I want to stress, Mike, there will always be a place for the full commission agent, but there's also a growing place for the agent who will think of it, will get out of the box and, and see that, okay, maybe I, I, I can capture the, my first sale my, by owner market, which seems to be growing around here and, and snag those from the Zillow's and from the Trulia's and from those other platforms that are being created out there. Those people don't know what they're doing. You're doing them such a service. We're doing such a service for those folks. Uh, by by literally rescuing them from themselves when they don't know what they're doing. So be, be sure to check out wesellhomesforfree.com forward slash manual, put in the code Mike, and I will have some material in there that will help you shorten your learning curve in the process if you'd like to know more about uh, our business model. Monty, that, that was a, a great offer. Thank you so much. Is this forever? Can they can they go in there and get that information for free forever? Or is there a limit on um, when you're going to pull down the, the free option? Uh, let's make the uh, free opportunity for the, for the rest of 2015, Mike. Um, I do plan on having this finalized by the end of this year. And right now, I'd really like to hear people's feedback. And it's worth it to me to offer my information and experience for free for those individuals who who, first of all, are subscribers to your information. Second of all, if you can give me some feedback on the information, on the material, that's all I ask right now. Just help me make it as the best uh, uh, information on the topic that I can. Well, Monty, I, I've got another question for you. If you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? 
first of all, I guess I'd probably go back to the uh, self-confidence formula. Mike, to be honest with you, to, to build up that self-confidence and to read, of course, the benefits of of Think and Grow Rich. That's, there's, it's not my coincidence that that book has authored more successful people. And it's not about money. It's about living a successful life in all aspects. But that book is responsible for more than anybody, anybody any other book that I know of that's been written in the last few generations. Anyhow, the uh, other thing I would say to do probably is certainly if they're they're probably already a subscriber to your information. I, I'm a big believer, Mike, that the battleground that we that we that we deal with on a daily basis is not about the market. It's not about the interest rate. It's not about the buyer who just went south on us. It's not about the listing who won't call us back. The greatest battleground is winning the battle between our ears. And the way we do that is by continually feeding our subconscious mind the kind of information that Think and Grow Wish consists of. We've got to win that battle. Years ago, and when I was um, asked by Remax a few times to do a few uh, seminars, not seminars, but uh, panels, people asked me, what do you do? You're, you're successful in all this, but what do you do to reward yourself? I used to pull out my Nightingale Conant tape catalog and say, my reward every month is another cassette series on another topic that's going to feed my mind and, and help me be a better, more valuable person on the planet. And that's, that's, I think, is so important to win that battle. As a new agent, I think in addition to those things, hook up with somebody else's momentum. In this business, it's about personal momentum. And until you create your own, realize this, that part of something is better than all of nothing. You know, whether it's 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%, whatever that percentage is, part of something is a thousand percent better than all of nothing. I've seen so many agents get lured away by, from the thought of, well, I'm going to go to this company because it's 100% split. 100% of nothing is nothing, and people don't realize that until they get out in the woods. There's a reason why when I came to, from Florida to Nashville, there was a reason I hooked up with somebody else's vision and somebody else's momentum because I knew I didn't have the six months to wait around to try to develop some, some momentum of myself. But, you know, hook up with the team. Eat out of the garbage can if you need to on, their, on the leads is what I'm speaking of. And then, if, you know, if you have that vision to do your own thing, that's cool. But remember that it's about momentum. And you can't get that momentum without support. You, as an individual agent, you can only handle a couple of deals at a time, and then you're unemployed and you're out there trying to juggle a couple more. So you've got to create your team or, or, or join the team. So it's a huge value out of the box. You increase your likelihood of survival as an agent by a hundredfold to simply hook up with another with the vision of somebody else who is working in integrity, has a great reputation, and doing the right things and learn from them. My goal is to help my agents, you know, Take the next two to three years commitment that they've made to me, and and they'll be they'll be as sought of agents as they could ever hope to be in ten years in the next couple of years working with us, watching our systems, being part of what's going on. That's what I would encourage a new agent to do. Monty, do you think the top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Mike, I, I absolutely do. I, I tell you, it, it it changed my life and. You know, you've picked up where Howard Britton left off. You know, God bless Howard Britton. You know, I was fortunate enough to be interviewed by him in, in I think, 94 or something like that. And when I got a hold of his material in those interviews, it totally, I mean, it ramped me up so much faster than I could have ever learned on my own. And you're doing that same thing now, only even more effective. You've taken it to the next level by providing two interviews a month like you do of these incredible people has such an amazing value. I mean, uh, are you kidding me? Like I just said, the battleground is between our ears. 
And if we can understand the, 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 the principle, the, the reality that, you know, it is a, play, a level playing field out there. And, but it's a level for the, those who earn the right. And you've got to win the battle between your ears before you can ever earn the right, you know, in the, in the success realm. But these interviews will help you shorten your learning curve in a fraction of what you'll ever do on your own. So absolutely, I mean, I, I would, like, I can't thank you enough. Honestly, you've heard my, my sharing of, of the importance that you, that that postcard played in my world. And I look forward to every time you send out an interview, I look forward to that. Because I'm going to learn something from that individual. I may not agree with everything they say, but I will learn something from that individual that I can use to help me become a better person, to bring that value to the marketplace. Because remember this, guys, if you bring value to the marketplace, the marketplace has to reciprocate. There's no other choice in it. It has to. It's a law. It's like gravity. It has to give back. If you're giving to it and you're sincerely working to continually you know, maintain a high level of integrity and, and, uh, and, and reputation, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's unbelievable the difference it'll make. Well, Monty, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? All I can say, Mike, is thank you for the privilege of getting to share my heart um, with your listeners. And uh, it's counted a real privilege. And thank you for the great work you're doing with uh, interviewing us. We're in a changing market, a changing world. It's changing so rapidly. It's such a great privilege to, to be able to hear these key people on a regular basis. Um, just keep up the great work. I, I truly appreciate you, man. Well, Monty, we appreciate you. You are a true inspiration for all of those who are down on their luck and need a model for persistence and determination based on a newfound sense of confidence. You pulled off a huge comeback late in life, showing us that anything is possible at any age. You developed a modified business model to meet the needs of those who had lost their equity in the Great Recession. And you figured out a way to broadcast your solution through the media and word of mouth. You found opportunity where others only saw despair. You are a true entrepreneur. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 60 high-end luxury homes last year worth $37 million. Find out who she is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network. 
where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.